Are you an entrepreneur or looking to become one? Looking to stay motivated, find happiness and true success? You're in the right place. Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome back to episode nine of the Empower Humans podcast. This is part two of our interview with the incredible Fred Dinkins. He's done all kinds of amazing things in music, musical director for Denise Williams currently, and uh, all kinds of great stories. So please enjoy part two of our interview with the one and only Fred Dinkins. I, and I think the universe is all about balance. I mean, yeah, of course, uh, we wouldn't we, be sitting here. No, if it wasn't. you took the words out of my mouth. I was, like, I was just, I was about to say, we wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't balanced, man. Yeah, we'd be floating or something, you know. So yeah, and, so, and sometimes it gets out of balance in any number of ways. We use all kinds of examples oh, from yeah. our lives and whatever, but but it puts it back in balance. Yeah, it, it, it's just that's the whole. It will be balanced ultimately. Uh, now back to PIT, you advanced there, and as you progress along your career, one of my big interests with you, Fred, is kind of some of your stories along the way, or what got you certain places, certain uh, steps up the ladder, so to speak, as you progressed. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything in that regard you want to share, or from your education days, as you as as you branched out and became? Uh. <laughs> I mean, on the education level, I mean, I actually taught kids back in St. Louis uh, before I came to L.A. Uh -huh. uh, every Saturday, you know, people would go like, you know, you play good. Can you teach my kid? And I, and I think I taught lessons like five dollars for 15 minutes. Wow. So I had students all day. I had four students an hour. And I had students all day long on Saturday. And that's 20 bucks an hour if you yeah. add that up. Yeah. So I was smart. I was a businessman. Back that, then, that adds up. I was a smart businessman back then, you know, at, at a, as a teenager. Wow. You know, so <laughs> I knew that was $20 an hour. I was like, I'm making more more money than it, most people, you know. you know. Than the guys at White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> so girls. anyway, I, I uh, when I went through MI, uh, after I graduated, there were several teachers approached me to say you should be teaching here and i was like man I, i'm not good enough to do that and they would go yeah you are you should be teaching here and they not it was just not the technical skills that they were speaking of they were talking about my attitude they were talking about my work ethics to Your be heart. Able, you know yeah my heart my passion they were like, if you can just be amongst the students mm -hmm. with that, that's enough. So once I graduated, I started teaching uh, summer session. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, uh, you know, would tell Joe Picaro, you know, like, okay, I'd like to do this for the regular school. And so Joe would say, okay, I'll help you, but you got to be consistent. Right. Every week I would go up on Joe's lunch and he would sit in a classroom with me and he would make me write or teach a class in front of him. <laughs> and that was the most humbling yeah. hour of my life because he would ask questions. He would raise his hand and ask a crazy question. And you would go. You want to say that's a dumb question, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but you couldn't. Yeah, because he was like, no, there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say to this day. So, you know, after that, I uh, was called to do an audition 
for uh, the school. I started out with one day, seven hours. There was a, there was another guy that was teaching. He went on the road, and they needed somebody to sub. He missed the whole quarter. And there so, we go again, filling in yeah, the gap. So, so I had two days now. Yeah. And then when he came back, all the students was like, no, we don't want to go to him. We want Fred. <laughs> Change in so, loyalty. So we kept, I kept the two days. Wow. And I kept those two days, man, for years. Wow. And uh, then all of a sudden things just blew open to where uh, they allowed the students to start picking who they wanted. Mm -hmm. And my schedule has been full ever since. You know, so... Um, the career thing, uh, like I said, I, I always reached for the top. I wanted to come out to L.A. and play with Andre Grouch. Because okay. at that time, I was only interested in gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was the top. He was the top for me. And I played a gig at the Roxy. And someone came up to me and, you know, gave me compliments. And turned out that they were... Um, one of Andre Crouch's background singers. Oh. And I was like, oh, no. And next thing you know, I'm at Andre Crouch's house <laughs> meeting Andre. Wow. And uh, I started playing with playing with Andre at his church. Wow. He started a special choir. And he's like, okay, you could be the drummer for this choir. <laughs> but then he, you know, we, we would start playing and stuff. Next thing you know, he's like, man, come go with me. We're playing over here. We're playing over there. And uh, it was unfortunate that a guy came in the band, didn't like me, mm. and he got me ousted. Mm. We were supposed to go out. You know, I had my passport ready. We were supposed to go on tour. And we were leaving the next day. And I had to go to the uh, federal building and get an emergency passport. You know, I was there like 6 in the morning. Like one of the first people in line stayed there. You have to stay there like all day, and the next when I got home that evening, I got the call that they couldn't take me. Oh. So after that, of course, I was disappointed. Let that go, and uh, there was a guy doing a record that Andre was on. Uh huh. And so they wanted me to play. They let someone else play Andre's track. No, but they didn't like it. So they called me and like, hey, man, can you replace the drums on this? <laughs> it was Andre Crouch. Oh, again. So I got a chance to record. Wow. With the great Andre Crouch. Wow. See, you know, I love again. You're one of these guys, though, that I've watched certain people and you're one. Obviously, you've got just a few stories you've shared, let alone probably tons you haven't of just things like that coming around for yeah. you. And you probably sat back more or less patient, humble, working your way into those. Not necessarily consciously, just maybe even subconsciously, this is what I want. But over here I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be doing my thing in the meantime. And yeah. all of a sudden here come these backup singers and before you know it, yeah, <laughs> there yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I, I mean, I was fortunate, like I said, to have Harvey and Joe Picaro in my life at the time. And, yeah. and of course, at that time, Jeff Carl was living. Uh huh. And I, I just recently said at my uh, CD debut that Joe Joe took me under under his wing like I was his son. Wow. And I, I at that time, you know, I, I wanted to have all these crazy chops and play, and and Joe would scream at me like all the time and go, "Look, 
<laughs> you got a family. Uh-huh. You got to learn how to work. Uh-huh. You can't do all of that and work. I said, but yeah, what about this guy? He's working. Uh-huh. He said, yeah, but the kind of music he's playing, he's probably making $10. <laughs> and I would go like, really? He goes, yeah. And so he introduced me to Jeff. He said, now, Jeff has probably 1% of this guy's chops. <laughs> you can multiply that $10 that Jeff makes probably by 300 and that's probably for an hour oh wow and i was like huh he goes yeah he goes talk to jeff uh-huh and jeff would always say man just listen to pops man listen to my pops that's where i got where that's how i got where i am today man listening to him mm-hmm. play pocket fred play pocket man just groove just groove just make it groove and harvey would always say man make it feel good and uh I finally learned, man, like, you know, I, I had a family to take care of and uh, I wanted to work. Mm-hmm. And the more I grooved, the more phone calls came in. Yeah. You know, the more chops I play, the less calls I got. <laughs> that's that's a young man's game right there. The yeah. young, it's all about macho kind of little standout. Yeah. And yeah. then you kind of learn your lesson that, okay. Something about the universe shows us how to be a team player, yeah, I think, to yeah, really, yeah. and then that's where you found more lasting, meaningful success. Yeah, it wasn't about drummers. It wasn't about you <laughs> being the spotlight on Mr. Drummer in the back. It yeah. was about you being an important, integral part of the whole. Yeah, yeah. Right? Make it, making the music work. Yeah. That's what I had to learn. Like, how do I make the singer sound good? And, 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 and which I already knew. Like I said, it was just me doing it at a higher level once I got out here because I had played with some of the top gospel singers in St. Louis like I said like they any anyone that came through St. Louis at the time when I was there I got the call to play with them yeah you were the guy yeah even when Al Green was singing gospel I played with Al Green wow you know and uh, so like I said I knew by just listening and practicing and stuff like that what to do but I knew it was, like I said, a, a much higher level that I needed to perform at. And I didn't know how to get there. And that was my purpose of, like, always saying, like, I got to meet this this great master drummer that's going to help me fulfill this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, like you said, man, I got so many stories. Uh, it just depends on where, <laughs> where you want to touch. You <laughs> well... Know? I I'm flexible regardless. I just love hearing the story. For me, it 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 touches my heart even more because I I'm a musician not to the degree, and it's it's not necessarily my career at this point. Right. But I love hearing the story, and again, and I love hearing. I just love hearing people tell their story. I listen mm-hmm. to interviews and stuff all the time myself, just because you hear people. I heard Howard Stern. I think I told you this. He mm-hmm. said that the climb is the most interesting part of anyone's life the yeah. climb up and yeah. and i think the interesting thing about that is we're always climbing yeah, yeah. you never reach there's no one's reaching no. a top there's no. no top here no joe joe Picaro still practices yeah and so does fred dinkins yeah he's, he's 88 <laughs> years old yeah and roy haynes is in his 90s and he's still playing like he's 16 yeah <laughs> that's awesome so there's no reason for me to stop you know, I love thinking about this. Every, every every time I talk to Harvey, 
yeah, man, I'm I'm headed to this place. I'm headed to that place. Uh-huh. Man, that's inspiration for me. Yeah. And it's good to have that network around you. I think there's something to be said for having a positive support system around you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most importantly, to have that within yourself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But also, we all kind of flounder at times. We all get a little weak. It's good to have, okay, now I can recenter thanks to these few guys over here that kind of got my mind back where it needed to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm glad you have that. Yeah, that, yeah. There's a really close friend of mine. He plays piano and he does everything. But but he he worked with Michael Jackson for years and in his own right. I mean, he's done film and his name is John Borns. Uh huh. And we we talk all the time, man. Whenever I'm I'm kind of down and just going through it, you know, I can call him up and go like, Hey, man, what what do you think about this? And he has these unique ways sometimes of pulling me back in which I just laugh at <laughs> and of course you know you know Dennis Chambers yeah uh, Dennis and I are very very close legendary drummer for those yeah. who may not know yeah yeah and uh I have another friend uh a mutual friend of Dennis's name his name is Nick Smith uh-huh. and most people think we you know Dennis and I would talk about drumming you know and I always tell people don't don't get it twisted though when if I have a moment to talk drums with Dennis, mm-hmm. I'm picking his brain. <laughs> but nine out of ten times, we're literally laughing, yeah, like hysterically, well, over stupid stuff. <laughs> you know that you would just go, I, I I really didn't know Dennis had this side, and Fred, <laughs> I didn't know that you had this side. Yeah, yeah. And, and between the three of us, this guy Nick Smith. Anytime I'm on the phone, my wife, my daughter, my son, anybody go, okay, he's either talking to Nick or he's talking to Dennis. <laughs> so yeah. th- these guys, you know, if I need a laugh, man, it's just I call these guys up. Yeah. But Dennis literally sends me stuff every day, all day long. Yeah. And sometimes I can't look at it because it's like just to make you laugh. Yeah, just to make <laughs> just to make me laugh. So, That's funny stuff. You know. Wow. So it's 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 a good place to be, man. You know, I'm I'm so grateful, like I said, man, to have all the guys I know in my life that have touched my life. You know, yeah. all those guys I mentioned. You know, and Dougal Chancellor, he, he you know, he was like my big brother, Ricky Lawson. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like big brothers, man. And Ricky, again, Ricky's played with some people, everybody know Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah. tons of these guys, yeah. and he, you know, and God I mean, rest and, his soul. And, 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 Dougal, and Dougal, of course, is on the, the biggest, one of the biggest Michael Jackson tracks is Billie Jean. Oh, really? Is that yeah, him? Wow. that's in Dougal. Wow. And he played Vibes on my, on my record. Wow. He wrote the melody to a song for me. Wow. I, awesome. I said, Ndugu, what's going on with this song, man? I need some help. He says, man, you don't have a melody. Mm. I, I said, can you help me? He said, sure. <laughs> and he called me back. He said, I got something. I said, cool. Yeah. I said, can you play it? He goes, yeah, I'll play it. He played Vibes. Wow. I went to his house, recorded the Vibes. That's incredible. And, I mean, you know, I have Ndugu Chancellor on my uh, CD. I have Ricky Lawson, who played a track for my book, It's About Time. Yeah, wow. So two legends that, that are gone now were good friends of mine. I have memories. Yeah. You know, 
And you Mus- got some good recordings yeah, too. Yeah, mus- musical memories of these guys. Wow, that's awesome. You know. Yeah, so these guys and and what I love too, I what I've found drummers tend to stick together. Yeah. There tends to be a, a camaraderie, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um I can't speak for all areas of music and musicians and all that, and I'm not going to say anything in either right, right. case about it. It's all stereotype, but it's good. I'm just saying, bottom line is it's great that you've had this network of people. And, and a lot of people, some people maybe listen to this because, and they just love music. When you start to hear some of the inner workings of how all this stuff comes together, the same thing in the movie business. It's mm. like, wow, this guy knows that guy, and this guy didn't show up, and all of a sudden you have this relationship, and then mm. this person goes on tour here, and this person gets uh, this opportunity. It's it's just an interesting world, and a lot of it's just, uh, you know, 90% of success is just showing up. You kept showing up. Mm. You're showing up to practice today after all these decades. You're still going, and I just love it, Fred. <laughs> I love it. It's an inspiration. I think your students at MI ought to just be proud. And, and honestly, as you get up grateful every day, I think they ought to be getting up grateful every day saying, I get to associate with Fred Dinkins. Yeah. And yeah. whoever else is over there these days, I'm sure there's some other great guys and gals. Yeah. I mean, I, but, I mean, Phil, believe it or not, I still... <clears throat> Like I said, man, I don't know what you call it, but I have issues with you get down. No, looking at myself or trying to—I don't want to ever put myself on a pedestal. Sure. Though I—I I look back and look at all the accolades and blessings of my life, I don't want to be that person that's arrogant and egotistical about um, what I've done and who I am and stuff like that. I mean. If somebody calls me out and says something very negative about me or whatever, then I, I can I can do what I call roll call. I can let them know, <laughs> look, you know what? Mm-hmm. I've done this. I've done that. I've, I'm this person. But I don't put that stuff on my chest. I don't walk around like that. You know, that's that's not who I am. But, you know, because, I mean, like I said, the, the, a lot of the stuff that I've gotten, like you say, it's it's funny. Like you said, man, you just happen to be, you know, doing this particular thing, and all of a sudden this door open up. Yeah. You know, like with the emotions, uh, a friend of mine wanted me to do this gig, and I didn't want to do it. I said, no more fifty dollar gigs. <laughs> I am not ever playing for fifty dollars again. I'm better than that. Yeah. So he talked me into playing this gig at the Hollywood Athletic Club for fifty dollars <laughs> so this lady sat in front of my drums like directly in front of my bass drum i said ma'am i don't know if you want to sit here or not and she was like oh, i'm good i'm like no 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 i'm playing <laughs> and i pro- probably play loud so you might not want to sit here and she was like it's not a problem <laughs> so i didn't say anything okay. else so we took a break there was a guy approached me and he says hey man my name is Wayne Vaughn. And Wayne Vaughn is the is the writer of uh, Let's Groove mm-hmm. of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, and yeah. he wrote a lot of songs with Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I knew who he was. I was yeah. like, Oh my goodness! <laughs> he says, and that that lady down there in front of your bass drum, that's my wife. <laughs> he said, That's Wanda Vaughn. Oh, of oh. the emotions, oh. and I was like. Oh man, I'm glad I didn't say nothing crazy. Like, why is she sitting in front? You know, and uh, he says she really likes your plan, <laughs> and she's interested in you, like 
talking to them about possibly playing for them. Yeah. Cool. And ap- and after that, the rest was history, man. Like, and then basically they were doing a play about the history of their lives at this college, and uh, the band wasn't so so. And I, all I remember was Stevie Wonder was going to be there and George Duke was going to be there the first opening night. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I can't sound like this. This is this band is whack. So I, I called a special rehearsal and I brought my boom box in and all their music. And I was telling the bass player how to play the notes right, mm-hmm. how to make it feel right, the guitar player. I was like, man, you got to mute your strings. He wasn't muting his strings. He wasn't chick picking in certain parts. And I was like, no, no, you got to do this. <laughs> and so after the rehearsal, I didn't know that they were in the room. They were behind this petition and they called me over. They said, you never told us you know how to do all that. I said, do what? They go, you guys sound like a different band. Wow. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. And they were like, well, we're going to be doing our R&B show. Mm-hmm. We're going back out as the emotions again because they had taken a hiatus to raise their kids yeah and uh man i uh after refusing to play with them a few times i I was like okay and they was like well we want you to be the md and you put the band together musical director yeah and after that that was it wow and so there was a situation where denise had a problem with a guy that was her md Uh uh-huh and uh, I was just going to play with her at the time, but we were playing on the same show. And she says, can your band play with me? And I said, sure. And our band played. And she was like, man, I haven't felt like that in years on stage. <laughs> so then there was a situation in the studio. Uh, she called me to play on a record of hers, which I was so happy about, man, because, you know, they wanted Harvey to play. Mm. They wanted Ricky Lawson to play, mm-hmm. Steve Ferroni, and Denise was like, no, I have my own drummer. <laughs> and when I went in, you talking about pressure? <laughs> it was yeah. like, oh, man, you got now you telling me this, like, all these guys were, like, denied because you want me to play. Yeah. But anyway, I went in there, man, and did it, and there was a song where there was a bad note on the bass. Uh-huh. No one heard it. <laughs> and I heard it, and I said, Denise, that's that's a bad note. And she's like, oh, my goodness, you hear like that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so she asked me, could I go out on some dates with her and rehearse the band and play? I said, sure. Tour dates. not, not Yeah, okay. yeah. we're playing Arco Arena. <laughs> I'm just being clear to yeah, listeners. We're playing Arco Arena, like huge places. Yeah, yeah. You know, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. next thing you know, she's we played here at in L.A. at the... Uh, at that time, it was Universal Amphitheater. Yeah. Now it's the Gibson Amphitheater. Uh-huh. But she uh, she said, you know what? I can get used to this. And I've been with her ever since as her musical director. Mm. Wow. Great. And and some of the stuff that you said, too. Number one, you talked about this member of the emotion sitting next to your drums. Mm. You not knowing at the no. time. I think there's some there's a lesson there for us. You never know who you're associating with. You never no. know who's in front you of you. You never know who's in the audience. And so let's put our best foot forward and, and be always, respectful. You never like Alex Acuna told me. You never turn down an opportunity to play. <laughs> this is your gift, and you never know, like you said, whose life you're going to touch. 
and and somewhat like my wife's situation some of her best relationships have come from those same situations she didn't want to go do this or that this or that event or whatever this job that wasn't paying like you're talking about drums wasn't paying what they should but through some of those things like i love that that message yeah you never turn down the opportunity and a lot of great things have come through little yeah. things yeah. like that yeah just by again 90 percent showing up just yeah. showing up yeah. and then here comes here comes the these opportunities yeah and and another thing that you say that i that i want to really quick highlight you said that she, Denise tells you that she hadn't felt like that in a long time on stage. Yeah. And I think that that's another message. There's something about how we make each other feel as people. Yeah. I heard, uh, uh, who's the big poet that Oprah, <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. Yeah. Yeah. No disrespect to Oprah, Maya Angelou. Uh, sometimes my brain goes blank. That's all. But she said that people aren't going to remember all the stuff you did and, and all your accomplishments and all that. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah. yeah and I think right. there's just something to that. And I think, yeah. and I've seen people, you know, whatever our listeners of spirituality and all that, I've seen people near death experiences. And I don't mean to digress here, but a lot of times what they talk about is they have kind of this this clarity about what their life meant for other people yeah and yeah. And, and they come some of these people have come back and to tell whatever they might have experienced they say these things again i don't want to digress i'm just saying i think that says a lot about fred dinkins i think that says a lot about us as humans we got to focus on not ourselves selfish things so much that applies to marriage family career mm. uh, make people feel and my wife with makeup she makes people feel excellent mm. look excellent mm. and as a person people want to confide in her and stuff mm. yeah and so i i just think that that's a lesson that's a big lesson for me because i'm not always making people feel great maybe fred isn't either but it's something to strive for and that, and that got you this big how long you been working with denise man 12 years or so yeah so more maybe longer but here's the thing going back to what we talked about speaking things uh-huh when when i moved to la i played i played my church is faithful central bible church mm -hmm. i've started playing there when i first moved out here uh and they had a show uh, uh the choir is amazing and the choir would always get called out to do special events mm -hmm. and there was a i can't think if it was channel five or channel i think it was channel seven and I don't know if it was at Christmas time or Thanksgiving, but the choir was called to sing mm -hmm. on on TV. Yeah. And we went and played and Denise was there. She was another artist on the show that day. Uh huh. And I'll never forget. She was standing in the th in the uh, uh, studio looking out a window and I walked up to her and I introduced myself. <laughs> and she says, nice to meet you. And I said to her. I'm going to play for you one day. <laughs> and she says, oh, really? <laughs> okay. And she was like, okay, but I don't know what that was or who this strange man is. But you they know, weren't rude or creepy or anything. No. You're just, you're just telling no, her. No, but but she remembers that, uh -huh. which is freaky for me because <laughs> I asked her, did you? She goes, you know what? I actually do remember that now. <laughs> I mean, she, again, like playing with the emotions, man, they were like, they were like my big sisters. They yeah. taught me a lot. I learned a lot of stage presence and professionalism mm -hmm. 
because I had never been on that type of stage with that type of artist before. So there's a lot of stuff that I learn. You know, I'm always a person that like watch and listen. You know, um, sometimes it's good for especially these young drummers and young musicians or anybody mm -hmm. that's going into a new situation. It's best not to be vocal sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's the best thing to do is learn and listen. Right. Don't don't go in so so full of yourself. Listen and learn like let people teach you mm -hmm. you know and i mean they they taught me like the importance of knowing how to play a show yeah you know yeah changing a drum feel that they got used to you know no you don't do that we were waiting on this certain drum feel that they could sing to me and I didn't play it one night. <laughs> and that messed them up. Oh, I got I got reamed, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was like, okay, okay. Those are little things that you learn. But again, you learn like, you know, there was tragic things that happened, but they still went on and performed. Mm. I didn't know how to do that for years because, you know, there was like I said, there was a, a lot of darkness <clears throat> in my life uh where you know, I'll, I'll put it out there. Like my dad being a minister, mm -hmm. uh, didn't want me to play anything but gospel. Mm. Uh, then moving to LA, he didn't want me to stay in LA, <laughs> but it was like, dad, I have to do this for myself. I got to see this thing through. You, you don't know what's going on inside my head and inside my spirit to make me want to do what I'm doing. I don't know what it is. I didn't put this inside myself. Yeah. And I got to see this thing through. So he ended up getting ill. And uh, my mom called me and said, you need to get home to see your dad. Mm. It's not looking good. And my dad looked at, I went there and he was in a wheelchair. And he said, this is your fault that mm. I'm sick. Because mm. I worry about you so bad in L.A. And it was a trip, man, because then the next week he died. Mm. And I had all of that weight on me, you know, and then like after that, like, I don't know how many, four months, my brother died. The one that slept with me that took me to the drums, uh, to the pawn shop. My, 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 my closest sister died. Then it was just like dom the domino effect. So for Phil, I would say about, man. About almost eight years, mm -hmm. I went through hell in my mind, thinking that all that was my fault, mm. and 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 I just tried to persevere through it. And that that and again, meeting people like, I mean, like Ricky Lawson at the time. Ricky is one of the most po was one of the most positive people you would ever run across in your life, <laughs> and. I couldn't and say same thing with Harvey Mason. Yeah. I would be so negative they would pick up on the negativity and go, Oh, hey man, I got a phone call. I'll talk to you later. They would never allow me to be negative. <laughs> That's funny. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so I start picking up on that. Oh, you know what? Every time I say something about my problems, they get off the phone. It's not that they didn't want to hear it. It's like, man, move past it. You don't let nothing stop you. You don't let like things hold you down 
in the in the in the, in the, I love Steph Curry, the new thing that he has out now. If you train the mind, the body will follow. Mm, it's true. You know, so I had to get my mind together. And so for those people that like 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 are striving to be anything in life, it's the struggle within yourself. Yeah. To be to be uh, the best that you could be. That's the fight. That's the struggle. And if you could overcome that, I think you 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 know you you'll end up winning. Yeah, yeah. I, number one, I'm sorry to hear about those losses. I'm sorry to hear about some of the heartbreak attached to that. And uh, I think those are excellent insights. There's nothing like insights from people who've experienced it. It's it's one thing to sit back, and I might expound some things sometimes in this podcast. And I've had my experiences and been through some some stuff too. Mm-hmm. And, and but it's meaningful when you when you've been down that road yeah and then people can relate respect and and all that as well yeah but so what would you say got you out of that funk you you started learning to see these guys around you who are so successful for all intents and purposes and they'd kind of just not that they didn't love you but they'd avoid the negative energy yeah and you got to handle that fred (laughs) i was uh i mean i had start like like losing work and different things and I was about to leave. My, my 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 plan was okay. I'm out of L.A. I'm gonna go back to St. Louis. Take up, you know, uh, electric electronics because I like taking things apart, putting them back together, mm. that kind of thing. I said I, I'm gonna start a, a shop where I work on TVs and radios and kind of things like that. And my wife was like, "Okay, yeah, right." And one day, it's funny. I just told this story last night to a friend of mine. I was standing. I was staying in the house, you know, in North Hollywood, where where we first met. Mm-hmm. Ricky Lawson one day is banging on my door like as loud as you could possibly bang on someone's door. Yeah, and I was like, man, who is that? He go, let <laughs> me in, let me in. And so we we, I let him in. He goes, I don't need to talk to you. Where's your wife? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I didn't ask you that, man. Where's your wife? And my <laughs> wife came out. He goes, can we sit down? And we sat down. And he, and he said, I heard he's talking about moving back to St. Louis. Oh. He says, if he moved to St. Louis, I'm coming to St. Louis. And I'm going to break your freaking leg and make you move back to L.A. You're going to hop back to L.A. with me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> and so, of uh-huh. course, the St. Louis has the arch. He says, I had a picture of the arch on the wall. He says, what What are you guys moving back there for? To see the arch? You going to just go up in the arch and look out? Is that what, you're, what that's your, is that your plans? And so he says, man, you you can't do that, Fred. Mm. He said, don't, don't. He said, take a moment and step back. And he says, this is something I always want you to remember. Don't ever let people see you sweat when it gets rough. Don't let them see you sweat. Okay. And I was like, wow. And I, I, it was like for this man to come out of his way. And by the way, he had already set up a rehearsal for me to do that night to sub for him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. He At the end of the day, he's like, no, I can't make this rehearsal tonight. They already know you're coming. <laughs> he set you up. Yeah, he set me up. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Yeah. And uh, 
the rehearsal went great. And the guys was like, man, Fred, it, I, we, we didn't know you play like this. And I was like, man, I haven't played like this in a while. <laughs> and uh, then NAM show happened. I was walking through NAM. My, a friend of mine worked at, at Warner Brothers at the time, uh, Michael Finkelstein. Uh, he says, Fred, when are you going to get off your butt and get out and like start doing something so you could like do more than just at school? I said, what are you talking about? He says, you presented a book to me. I said, yeah, but you guys declined the book, which was at that time it was called Time Test. Mm -hmm. They turned it down. I said, he says, I have an opportunity now in the company. I've moved up. If you rewrite that book and make it like playable for kids yeah. as well as adults mm -hmm. i can do something with it mm -hmm. i said man i don't want to hear that he goes fred do what i'm telling you i sent him a quick sketch of some stuff the next week i had a contract in the mail from warner brothers and it showed that they would give me an editor that editor was joe testa who, who's now the a and r guy for vic firth and at that time, he was at the A&R manager for Yamaha Drums. Mm -hmm. So that's how my book, It's About Time, came about. Yeah. Was someone seeing my worth, Uh huh. you know, that at the time I was going through all that, I couldn't see that worth. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I th and as you say that, you could have just as easily just been in St. Louis. You could have gone to, no, I can't go to your session. If I Ricky. had quit. If you had quit. This, there's always this two-letter word in life, this if. Yeah. If I did this, if I did that. And I think when we're, wherever we end up at our last stages of life, I think if is going to be a, a question on our minds. Mm -hmm. What if I hadn't done this or what if I had done this? For better or worse, whatever that means for us. I think that's something we contemplate now because yeah. we're living now. We're not yeah. living then. We're yeah. not. We, we ought to think about it, but we're living now. Right. Let's live our best now so that we're right. ready for that then. And also, one thing you said, you're getting caught up in your situation, and that's not to minimize the the situation itself. Mm. But I think a lot of times, sometimes you watch a movie and it focuses in on a house or something, and then it kind of zooms out and you see the, kind of the neighborhood, and right, then you right, see right. the city, and then mm. in life big picture sometimes we get caught up in the small picture oh today and this week or this year or this eight years those are big chunks of life and those yeah. are serious moments those are big opportunities where you could self-destruct or stepping stone to the next level yeah and that's something to keep in mind i've been there yeah trust me i know yeah. you, you've been there yeah. clearly yeah and and i just commend you for for following I appreciate through. that man and man for i could freaking talk to you for 10 days straight <laughs> and i and i wish i had faith that our audience wouldn't uh, fall asleep because everyone got to sleep eventually and we're gonna have to probably do a maybe a sequel at some point to this oh, interview i love to man because you got so many great stories but what, what i do want to point out is your album favor yeah right yeah just came out yeah and i listened to some of it compilation of jazz latin all kinds of stuff yeah yeah very very well done very well recorded uh, so I invite anyone to go look for that, buy that. He's got the CD of freddinkins.com you can purchase. Um, it's about time. Yeah. An author. I'm sitting across from a great author. <laughs> uh, it's That's all about uh, timing and music and precision yeah. and yeah. accentuating every single note. Right. 
making it all count. And I think again, there's a lesson there in life too. Yeah, making everything count as best yeah. we can instead yeah. of yeah, uh, instead of kind of glossing over sixteenth right. notes. Right, right, right. <laughs> of right, life. Right. right. <laughs> but it's about time is available too, and through your website and yeah, in some music stores. Yeah, it's um, worldwide. And uh, boy, next time we'll talk more about you know you worked with and taught Sinbad. You did all kinds of stuff like. Fred has so many stories, and he's a humble guy. He doesn't—he's not Mister Name Dropper, but I just—I just love it. It's a—it's a great career and great inspiration. I think everyone at MI ought to count themselves extremely blessed to have you in their midst. I appreciate that. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, man? No, I mean the biggest thing, like I said, is like, man, if I can say anything about like my life, like I said, it's—it's it's, uh, you don't. You don't give up. You don't give up. And I'm so grateful that I didn't, you know, God didn't allow me to give up and quit. Love it. I, I couldn't say it better myself. And you don't, and I hear that from tons of people who rise to great places. Yeah. And you, and you don't get comfortable necessarily either. It doesn't no. mean that you don't, it's not this, I'm never satisfied because I think there's something to live yeah, in that but, way, but you don't you don't get to a place where you're not progressing yeah you can never become complacent um, you never you never allow yourself to sink to mediocrity yeah a, a balance between gratitude work ethic recognizing where you truly are not getting puffed up in this play i'm right, right. i'm mr big shot now i worked with denise and i've done this and mm -hmm. that and uh those are blessings and yeah. we're grateful for them right but it's not oh i've arrived just because yeah of that. no so because no, it's too much it's too much on the horizon and, and by the way i think there's something this is my theory in life to an extent if we get that way i think the universe starts to take a little bit okay yeah, yeah. I mean, he needs to learn a little lesson here yeah, and yeah. it's all out of love i'm sure yeah, yeah. but anyway love it fred love spending time with you it's a great privilege to me and uh, until next time, everyone, empower yourselves, empower the world around you. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.